Good morning. Crazy college students checking their phone. Really, 11 times a class. Here's, here's my question, though. Uh, is that a bad thing? Is it a good thing? And, and maybe the more important question is, how would we even know if it's a bad thing or a good thing? So hold on to that thought. We are, we are in this series called Pulled Apart. Some time ago, the teaching team, we were having a discussion about what people were experiencing in their lives and what we ourselves were experiencing. And we landed on this topic around distraction. We feel distracted, people feel distracted. And then we asked ourselves, what does it mean to be distracted? What does it mean to be distracted? There was a story about a woman, you heard a little bit about this last week. Her name was Martha. She was getting ready to have guests at her house. She was the hostess with the mostess, right? But it says that Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted. It's the only time this word appears in the whole Bible. Um, the story's in, the, in chapter 10 of Luke, and it was originally written in Greek. And the Greek word in the story, the, the Greek word for distracted is peristoa. And so peristoa starts out with P-E-R-I, peri, uh, like in perimeter, like in what's around you, your, your perimeter. Same word, it means around. So it means peristoa, peri, and stoa means pulled. So what it literally, most literally means is that you're pulled apart by everything that is around you. Martha was pulled apart by everything around her. Now let me just ask this. How many of you have ever felt pulled apart by everything going on around you? I was thinking about how this happens in my own life. I think sometimes it starts kind of small, like I'll be at home or in a meeting, I'll be waiting somewhere, and all of a sudden I find my mind wandering somewhere else, right? I think that's where it starts. It's as though I can't stay here for more than just a couple minutes, right? The goldfish, I'm out in eight seconds, right? I can't stay here for very long. And we say, well, what's the big deal with this? So what? Right, so what? What does, that, what does that matter? Here's something to think about. Over the last 30 years in America, the number of people who, feel, who say they feel lonely has more than doubled. And the highest percentage of lonely people are those who grew up with the most access to digital technology. We have these amazing tools for connection, and yet we feel more lonely and disconnected than ever. Now let's pause for a minute there. Just pause right there, because this isn't about technology because distraction has always existed right Martha was pulled apart with just some pots and pans and people in their house so it's not just about technology but what technology has done for us today among the amazing things that it can do it has expanded that perimeter that perimeter that's around us it, it, it's gone out farther and we can respond faster than ever before but that means that it can pull us away farther and faster than ever before and we say, well, well, where is here then? If that's pulling us away from here, where is here? How do we think about here? The Christian understanding is that long ago, God created human beings. God formed the first human body out of the dust in the ground, and then God breathed his spirit into what he had just formed. Now, just think about that for a minute. You and I somehow have the breath of God in us, which is a good reason to brush your teeth, because that way you can <laughs> represent that breath well in the world. But the idea is that we have a body. We are physical beings, and we can't escape that fact. Technology allows us to do amazing things through digital access, but at the end of the day, we are physical people. We exist in a place. God created us to be with people, and we're created to live out a purpose. 
a stamp on the world that only you can give to this world. That's your purpose. And where these three come together, your people, your place, and your purpose, that's here. That's what here is, and that's what we're gonna talk about as here today. Because there's always that perimeter which can pull us away from here. And research is starting to show that we are getting pulled away from here. And when we're getting pulled away from here, we can start to feel anxious. We can start to feel worried. We can start to feel like we're missing out on something or like we can't connect with people, like we can't care about what they're going through. People, there's, there's less empathy today because of this. People start to feel vulnerable, and when people feel vulnerable, they have to feel like they protect themselves from other people. People are feeling tired, out of touch, even out of touch with themselves. We are sometimes out of touch with ourselves. Now, this is not how God wants for us to live. And somehow we have to figure out a way to be here and not get pulled apart by this ever-expanding perimeter, especially by the technology that we can hold in our hands like Kate was talking about this morning. And we say, well, how do we do that? How do we even begin to do that? So today we're going to look at a time when Jesus was pulled in all sorts of directions. He was pulled, but he wasn't pulled apart. We'll see how he holds it all together and what we might learn from Jesus about what it means to be a physical person in a digital age. So we're going to be in the book of Luke. If you brought a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. The the verses are going to be on the screen as well. But Luke chapter 8, we're going to begin in verse 40. And uh, I think it's going to be on the screen. So let me go ahead and, and start reading. It says this. Now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, the synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, she was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Jesus had a funny relationship with crowds because right before this, Jesus was on the other side of the lake and the crowd there was chasing him out of town. They were angry. They were just chasing him right out of town. So he jumped in the boat with his guys. They rode across town and here they came across. They rode across the sea and here they came to another crowd. But this, how, this crowd loved him, right? This crowd almost crushed him, but they were expecting him. They loved him. It was kind of like this big smothering bear hug, like, oh, God to see you, Jesus. But Jesus kept going into crowds. They, they, they were tense places, but he kept going into crowds because that was his place, those were his people, that's where he lived out his purpose. This is where Jesus needed to be. Sometimes, being where we need to be, where God is calling us, is actually a hard place to be. We can feel like we're crushed and overwhelmed, and sometimes we just want to get away. We want to escape. Sometimes it takes work to be here, especially when it's so easy to pick up a device and check out even if just for a few moments. One of the things that I've learned about myself over the years is how much of an introvert I am. When I was growing up, I was actually twice voted most outgoing, uh, yeah, a couple different times, so I was really involved, I was active, but what I didn't realize, I know this now that I can look back on my life because I say, how did I ever do that? I look back on my life and I had hours and hours and hours of alone time. I would, I would go hiking in the woods. I would go running, late night runs I would go on. I would, I would go to a racquetball court and play racquetball by myself, just hit the ball against the wall, whatever it took to recharge. And then today, I don't have that free time. I love my family, my wife and three kids. I love them, 
but I don't have that alone time like I used to, and it's been a huge adjustment for me. Sometimes I really have to make the effort to be here. One technology expert said that in this digital age, it's so easy to escape, but when we escape, listen to this, when we escape, we are missing out on crucial moments. Crucial moments, right where our people, our place, and our purpose meet. We're missing out on these. She said, people must put forth an effort to be in the moment, to be here. Have you ever been in a room full of people and everybody is connected somewhere, but they're not connected in the room? If they are, it's very shallow. Like, look at this picture that I just found. Hey, did you see that thing? It's very shallow. They're connected somewhere, but they're not connected here. And then do you ever just stop and ask yourself, why did God put us together in this room in this moment? Is this one of those crucial moments? And are, are we somehow missing out on it? Jesus, he went into the crowd that day. He could have kept paddling. They could have come up to the, you know, the side of the sea and said, I'll grade another crowd. Keep going, Peter, Peter, pick it up. But he didn't. Because he was in the right place with the right people and living for the right purpose. He made the effort to be there and it turned out to be a crucial moment in the life of this guy, Jairus. And so we're gonna keep reading and see what happens. Beginning in verse uh, 43, it says this, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her she came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling at and fell at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now this right here, it's an amazing story of courage and hope and faith. The woman fought through the crowd. She made the effort. She reached out and was healed by Jesus. And Jesus turned to look for her and said, who touched me? And Peter said, how do we know? There's people everywhere, Jesus. How do we know? But Jesus kept persisting until the woman finally brought herself forward. She told Jesus the whole embarrassing story right in front of everyone. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now something I wonder about this passage is why did Jesus take time to find the woman? She'd already been healed. Why did he take time to find her? I wonder if it's because he wanted to see her and to care for her and to be fully present to her. You see, because Jesus was being pushed and pulled from all around, the crowd was crushing him. And also, he's in the middle of an emergency. He's on his way to see and heal a dying girl. And he put that emergency on hold to do this. And then he ignored his friends and he turned and he spoke right to the woman, gave her his undivided attention we say how does he do that how, how does he get pulled away but not pulled apart how does he get interrupted but not get distracted 
If we look back over the life of Jesus, the things that he did on a regular basis, we can see that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer and worship. He spent time investing in others. He spent time with people, with large groups, small groups, one-on-ones. Jesus had these habits. He had habits that grounded him so that when he was needed, he was available. He could sort through the crowd and focus on what and who was important. Our habits have a profound impact on our lives, especially our digital habits. So my question is this, what are your digital habits? And how are they shaping you? Are you satisfied with the way your digital habits are shaping you? Are you satisfied with them? Are they getting in the way of your people, your purpose and your place, or are they taking you to your people, your purpose and your place? And are there any habits that you could put into your life? Are there habits that your life need that could help to make you more like Jesus? Here's a few ideas to consider. Rachel, my wife, has a thing on her phone. I didn't know that we actually have the same phone. I didn't know our phone had this function. But uh, it's something similar to what Jeff was talking about. And she sets it. It's this do not interrupt. And she sets it from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. so nothing gets through. We used to get like those storm alerts in the middle of the night that would wake us up for some storm happening miles away. And I was always like, what is that noise? So it turns that thing off. So maybe you can set your phone for no interruptions for certain out of the hours of the day. Maybe meal times. Maybe you can set it for overnight so you can get some rest. Some other things. Maybe you can make a habit out of checking media only certain times of the day. Just lock in certain hours. This is my time. I do that. Maybe also you could make a habit out of reading something for an extended period of time, right? Take back that focus. Work back from being a goldfish. (laughs) And since we're all friends here, um, I'll share one of my habits. It's not necessarily a digital habit, but uh, it's something that has helped me to make the most of being present with my people when I get home, which is one of my favorite places, a few years ago, our kids were getting older, and I noticed that when I come home from work, I would hear like this, Daddy! And everybody runs to the door, right? And we, we've had more kids over the years, and so now I, there's more kids there. And, and I noticed this was just an important moment to capture. And everybody greeted me at the door. I loved it. I wanted to make the most out of that moment, and I wanted to be there in that moment. So here's one thing that I, that I have started doing over the years. Before I go home, before I leave the office, before I leave wherever I'm at, I go to the bathroom. (laughs) So that when I get home, there's no distraction. I get to just be there. And it's a great moment. We have to pay attention to those around us. Let them tell us what are the important moments. And then if we're not there for them, we need to pause and make space and put habits in place so that we can be there with them and for them. Let's keep reading. See what happens with Jesus next. We'll pick up in verse 49. It says this, While Jesus was still speaking, 
Someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. He said, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone in with him except Peter and John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned at once. She stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. So Jesus went to Jairus' house. He took his closest disciples and the girl's parents. He went upstairs and he brought the girl back to life. Notice there was that spirit or breath that re-entered her body. One thing that I wonder about this is uh, Jesus said to the father, don't be afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. What was Jairus afraid of? What, what was there to fear? I mean, I'm a dad. If I had a dying child, I could think of Jesus saying, don't be sad. Don't be angry. But what was there to fear? I keep my own phone on vibrate. It's probably on vibrate 75 to 90% of my time. I've done this practice for probably five to seven years. It helps me to be here with my, my people in my place, with my purpose. And when I tell people, this is when I tell people often, maybe some of you are thinking this right now. When I tell people that I leave my ringer off, most people say, oh, I couldn't do that. Because what if there was an emergency? I wouldn't want to miss out on anything. Certainly, we don't want to miss out on anything, do we? A couple of months ago, I took, off, I took the Facebook app off my phone, so I don't check Facebook very often. After I took off the Facebook app, all of a sudden, Facebook started sending me emails that say, hey, you missed out on this. Hey, your friend from 10 years ago you haven't talked to in 10 years changed his profile picture. You miss, did you miss it? Other programs and apps, they send me emails. They say, here's what you're missing. Here's what you're missing. I got an email from a news source just last week. <laughs> I don't even know where this news source came from. And it said, did you miss this? And then, you know, whatever it was. Have you ever heard of FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out? For those of us from a previous generation, we have Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. I wonder if this is why Jesus said, don't be afraid. Was Jairus afraid that he was going to be missing out? Jonathan Edwards, he was a pastor who lived some 300 years ago. He said, God has given us many things for the delight of our senses, for our pleasure, and for our gratification. These things come from God. They're for us to enjoy. And God has given us so many things more than we can possibly take in for all of our pleasure and enjoyment. Many say this is our highest calling. Our highest calling, the purpose of being human is to glorify God and enjoy him. And God wants for us to enjoy him. And God gives us even more than we can enjoy. It's kind of like eating at the pizza ranch. <laughs> they set out way more than I can possibly take in. And I don't want to miss a single thing. But here's what happens. 
When I act on the fear that I'm gonna miss out, I keep checking the buffet, a little more chicken, a few more potatoes, hope there's a new slice of pizza out, I better try that one. I gotta have ice cream, right? And pretty soon, I'm a hurting unit. <laughs> you see, God has wired us to enjoy his creation. But sin has distorted something in us. It makes us fear that we're going to miss out. So we keep checking in. We keep indulging, even to the point that we are hurting units. Our digital life is the same. That perimeter around us, it plays on this fear. There's always something more to explore, something more to click, more scrolling, more to see. We keep looking and scanning and checking throughout the day and into the night, all because we fear there might be something there that I'm missing out on. And research is showing that this is what is pulling us apart. This constant fear, anxiety, and worry, and we try to satisfy it by checking in, or really what we're doing is checking out from here. What keeps us checking? What drives that fear for you? What do we think we're going to miss out on? A few years ago, I was challenged to do a media fast, take a break from media for a week, and write about the experience. At the time, I was playing a lot of computer chess. So I fasted for a week from my computer chess, and I wrote about my experience, and here's, here's what I found. I kept turning to computer chess to, to, because so many things in my life I felt like I was failing at. So I kept turning to computer chess to try to get some sense of victory which is even more discouraging because I'm not very good at computer chess. <laughs> Do you feel that feeling? Do you feel that feeling, that fear of missing out on what your kids are doing, what your spouse is doing, what your husband or wife are doing, what your parents are doing, what your friends are doing? Is there the fear of missing out? What's causing that fear? What's causing that fear for you? Is there something deeper? When Mark wrote the same story, you know, we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, and we're reading from Luke, but when Mark wrote, the, wrote his story about this exact same Roman woman, he included this, this note. He wrote about how she kept going to doctors. They took her money, but they couldn't heal her, and so actually they were leaving her worse off. In a similar way, we reach out to that perimeter, and now research is showing that it can actually leave us worse off. It makes us anxious. It makes us tired physically, emotionally. It makes us self-centered. makes us distracted, and it pulls us apart. But God wants us to faithfully enjoy his creation. He wants us to be free from that sin that causes the fear, and it causes us to be distracted and even sometimes indulge in unhealthy ways. And Jesus has done more than just provide us an example. He has provided the way through his life and death and resurrection. And it is up to us to trust him and to follow him. I was thinking about, how do I think about this distracted life? I won't tell you when and where I came up with this image. But I say the distracted life is a lot like single-ply toilet paper. Because you roll it out, 
And it goes a long way. It covers a lot of ground. But it's not very... It doesn't get the job done. We are created for depth. You and I, we are created for depth. Deep love, deep connection, deep truth and understanding, deep relationships, deep compassion, and we will suffer if we don't have this depth in our lives. Now, many of us in this room probably have some really healthy practices. I hope that if you're part of a life group, I hope you're sharing and talking about those during this series. What things have worked for you? How can you share and encourage one another with your healthy practices? Some of us might have some tweaks that we need to make. Some of us feel those fears. Some of us feel that distraction. Some of us feel anxious and like we are pulled apart. We have some tweaks to make. I pray this is an encouraging series for you to make the necessary tweaks you need to make and incorporate the habits you need to incorporate. Some of us, though, need some work in our lives. We'll be praying for you that you really trust Jesus and look for depth in your life because you deserve more. God wants more for you. So how do we do this? How do we build healthy habits to enjoy God and to enjoy all of God's creation? How do we have a healthy physical presence in a digital world. Here's a few things. First is just this. We need to work to be here. It takes effort to be with our people in our place, living out our God-given purpose. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's overwhelming. But God will work through you in amazing ways. So be in the place that God has put you to be. Be with the people God brings into your life and living out the purpose that God has given to you. It's your unique stamp that he's given you and only you can leave that mark on the world. Second thing is when you do commit to being here, you have to trust and believe and have faith that God will take care of everything out there. On a very basic level, physically speaking, we can't be in two places at once. So pray and trust that God will take care of everything that's going on in the perimeter that's not for you right now. And lastly, our habits are important. They will shape who we are how we interact with others, how we have expectations. So start with one habit. Maybe you start with just one habit this week so that when you're interrupted, you're not distracted. And when you're pulled, you're not pulled apart. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus, who is both our example of what it means to be here and also our Savior, from sin that causes fear, sin that causes distraction. We pray that we would give our lives to him. Father, we know that you created us for depth and that the shallow life is pulling us apart. Pray that you would teach us how to be and how to search for depth in our lives. Lord, where we need to make changes, let us make changes. Where we can celebrate, let us go home today and celebrate and rejoice in our people with our people, in our place, and with our purpose. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.